When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience, the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Hello, welcome to the call. 60 Minutes, 10 Stocks You've Suggested, two experts, two, well, we'll class them as gurus today, I think, <laughs> to pass adjudication on uh, on those stocks. There is so much happening today. Let's get straight into it. Andrew Willard from um, DP Wealth Advisory in Toowoomba. Andrew, how are you, sir? Dekosh, very well, my friend, and you? Good. And your cohort today uh, is uh, Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Henry, how are you? Good, thanks, David. All right, explain to me why uh, the share market's down 120 points today. Henry? Um, I don't know, to be honest. The SPY had a pretty miserable night overnight. Uh, The US was down, but we've seen it down before and we shrugged it off. I think one of the reasons is that the Chinese were talking tough about more of a focus on domestic iron ore supply right. and finding iron ore from elsewhere. I don't know quite where they're going to find it, yeah. um, but obviously, you know, this is part of the talking tough between Australia and China. So that spooked the, the commodities stocks, yeah. I guess, to some extent. But, you know, commodity prices last night were up. Iron ore yeah. was up. Clearly, it's probably not up today. I haven't seen the latest price, but that's sort of wiped out the uh, the commodity story at least for today and the banks have just been whacked i'm not really sure why maybe yeah. it's all to do with this inflation uh talk that we're seeing and last night we saw the uh the home starts in the us way yes. off where they should have been yeah. and a lot of commentators in the us saying well that's because of lumber prices are up 60 percent this year there's all this yeah. inflation building up in the system and one day you just wake up grumpy and you just go yeah. you know what i'm out of here yeah because uh, Andrew James Hardy sort of um, indicated that um, yesterday in their update, didn't they? Saying that there was what they call it supply chain inflation coming into uh, into supplies coming through. Or is that, is that the reason for the big fall today? How are you explaining it to clients? I, I think my learned friend described it really well. Who knows? Um, <laughs> I know that's not really helpful. I think one of the, the issues we've got at the moment, Kosh, is we're actually seeing a positive correlation to, between bonds and shares. And what's meant to happen is they're actually meant to be inverted, uh, inverse correlation. So if uh, shares are having a bad day, bonds should actually be having a good day, but they're actually moving together in the same direction. So if you're a, a portfolio manager and you're trying to manage risk, you'd just be moving from shares to bonds or bonds to shares. If you haven't actually got that protection, some of them just basically say all too hard and I'm pulling all my money out until this sorts itself out. 
So right. potentially you're just seeing a bit of a throwing the toys out of the cot situation as well. Plus it's yeah. selling may go away, which probably doesn't help either. Yeah, and with all this inflation um, topic that you're talking about, this battle between uh, bond markets and share markets and central banks, um, just the change in wording from those Reserve Bank minutes that came out yesterday um, really shocked me a bit. Uh, hasn't got, got much sort of coverage today. The fact that they've always been 2024, no increase in rates, till then, don't care what you say, don't care what you think. Now it is, well, if we get uh, wage growth um, above 3% and we get um, uh, inflation sustainably between 2 and 3% or at the top end, well, maybe we need to rethink. And you're yeah. going, poor buggers like, you know, some of my adult kids that have gone out and borrowed a hell of a lot of money to get a home loan on the Reserve Bank's advice saying, well, you won't be hit by interest rate increases till 2024. I feel a bit sorry for them. I've, I said lock it in because I don't quite believe them. But. Yeah, lock it in, Eddie, is, yeah. is the answer. I mean, uh, Don't mention Eddie on the show. Sorry, I forgot about that. Um, <laughs> I won't even talk about prison bars. Um, I remember when I started out as a young man in the market, our mortgage rates, and we bought, you know, we bought houses, and we were stretched at the time. They went up to seventeen yeah. percent in now the UK. Like and if you say, I mean, like it's that. like a Monty Python sketch. If you say that to a young man today, they won't believe you. Yeah. You know, that, that's the thing. People look at you a gasp and go, "How could you afford it?" And you just thought, "Well, I had yeah. no idea how we did." But it was, it was, as they say in the, well, the central bank speak at the moment, transitory. But it was still. Yeah, pretty painful while it Absolutely. was going on. So, you know, I, I think there is a tendency and it's not just personal borrowing in terms of housing, which is going nuts, but it's also governments. Yeah. You know, interest yeah. rates that, that people are paying on their mortgage, the governments have basically mortgaged uh, the future yeah. to pay for the stimulus of now, which is which is fine. That's what you had to do. But they've locked it in at 0.1%. Well, they haven't. They haven't locked it in yet. Um, you know, it's going to hurt them. I think it's yeah. 20 billion it costs in interest every yeah. year for the government to service that debt. But you know, if interest rates go up even a smidge, that 20 becomes 30, becomes 40, yeah. and suddenly you They've got it cuts. in 10, 10 and 20 year bonds though, so that's not gonna yeah. change for them. They've no, the money it's, um, you know, it, it is a concern. And what is more of a concern, I think, apart from what we've seen already in commodity price rises, which we've all been talking about for some time, yeah. is the actual shortage of labor as well. Yes. You know, we're being told that there's a massive unemployment problem, but there's in the, you look at some of the comments from Parenti, uh, Monodelphus, uh, a lot of the mining contractors in WA, they can't find anybody. Job vacancy rates record high, skill vacancy rates record high. Can't, can't find can't the people. Can, yeah. you know, Who we, don't want to do those jobs. Without the immigration, without the foreign yeah. students, without the... You're going to have the, to open that up. It's, you know, we, we are going to struggle to find the right people to fit in the right slots. Yeah. So that's Jeez. a problem. Jeez, I've made him grumpier, I think, Andrew. Oh. <laughs> It's, it's a relatively low today. benchmark, though, Koshy. So, um, you know, he's sort of the grumpy bear to begin with. It doesn't take much to press his buttons. I do like your haircut, though, Henry. I, and I'm not speaking as someone who's publicly challenged. I have hair envy, but that's looking good, mate. My, my wife wanted me to look like George Clooney. I think the hairdresser failed. You've got a long way to go, mate. You've got a long, long, hard road right. ahead to get there. Good discussion on inflation in the market. Let's get into uh, some specific stocks. I always choose a, a stock of the day. Thought we'd had a look at EML payments in focus. Share slam, falling the most in nearly nine and a half years after the central 
Bank of Ireland flagged significantly significant regulatory concerns relating to anti-money laundering, counter-terrorism financing over the company's Irish subsidiary PFS card services. AML saying, given the timing and early stages of discussions with the CBI, it's unable to estimate the potential costs and impacts of the correspondence on its consolidated FU21 results. In other words, we have no idea where this is going. Uh, shares currently tracking almost 40% lower. Um, Andrew, what do you do, do with a stock like this at the moment? Thanks, Koshi. Appreciate you coming to me first. Um, yeah, look, it's looking really, really, really ordinary. And it's because there's the uncertainty piece. So you had a business that was trading on a pretty stretch valuation to begin with, and then you uh, introduce some uncertainty, never mind the ordinary day that we were just talking about. And it's, you know, that's why we get a share price down 40%. You absolutely do not want to be buying this at the moment. You are catching the falling knife. But, um, you know, is it a sell if you're a holder? Yes. That's that's the uncertain question, Koshi, because, you know, if it is, and we've seen this before where the market does move in very violent moves, but I, I would I would say it's a tenuous hold at best until we get a bit more information, but it's absolutely not a buy at these levels. Okay. So, so if you're an existing shareholder, hold on for more information. It, fingernails, you're not grasping the bars, you're fingernailing because we need more information. And like you just said, I mean, it was a whole lot of nothing, basically, apart from there's a problem. So, uh, yeah, at this stage, I'm definitely not a buyer. I'm not sure I classify it as a whole lot of nothing. <laughs> oh, sorry, a whole lot of hurt. A whole lot of hurt. Um, a whole lot of hurt, definitely. Um, this, this is one we got out of a while ago. There's lots of moving pieces in this one. Uh, and it got a little bit too ritzy for our money. The interesting thing what is- do, the, What do you mean you got out of it? Why? I sold it, because well, I sold it, because uh, we were long from about $1.50 to about four bucks. Yeah, it's it been went, a darling. It's been a darling, but it just got too ritzy in price for me. Um, and I was worried about, their main market is Europe. Yeah. Uh, one of their big markets for gift cards and the shopping center, yeah. things like that, is in Europe. And Europe was going into lockdown and Europe was going into restrictions. And to yeah. me, that was, kind of, you know, that, that was, a red flag, right. nothing to do with the Central Bank of Ireland. Um, the interesting thing is the correspond. it says the correspondence states that the CBI is minded to issue directions. Such an Irish thing. Isn't yes. it? Oh, we're, we're minded to issue directions. Oh, come on. So um, by, the, by the sound yeah. of it, sort of people are being laundering money by buying gift cards. Who would have thought? Yeah. Who would have thought? <laughs> Who would have thought well, that I was had, possible? I hadn't thought of that, but I thought my, to my, myself that, my daughter that would got, be so easy. Yeah, my daughter got fleeced three and a half grand by gift card, a gift card scam. Is that right? Um, yes. Wow. Yeah, don't okay. even get me started on that. Right. Um, it, it is, It is. you know, the, the problem is we just don't know. Yeah. Um, the stock's off the lows. It was down 46, 47%, I think, at one stage. It's off the lows. So it's a, it's a trader's, if you haven't got a position, it's a trader's paradise at the moment. And we are jumping at shadows. We don't know right. the quantity of the problem. Um, you know, we've seen this with Westpac and it brings back some nasty memories for yes. Westpac in terms of what yeah. came out of the Royal Commission there and whatever the fine was, but it was a big, uh, close to a billion dollars from memory. Yes. Um, so, you know, that, that that's not a small sum of money for a stock like EML payments. 27% of their global kind of revenue comes out of this Ireland base. 
Right, so uh, it's a significant part of the business. Well, because a lot of a lot of um, tech companies go to Ireland because they got yeah. they don't pay any tax. Yeah. They can access the EU, unlike yeah. being in London now because of Brexit. So they've all escaped to, to, to Dublin. Um, and this, this is a concern. How big a concern is, we don't know. So okay. it is kind of shoot first, ask questions later. Traders paradise. This could be an opportunity. It could be that the CBI comes back and goes, you know what? We're happy. We've looked at it. We're happy. Or they could say, you know what? We're minded. We're not just minded now. We're going to issue you a notice. Right. And it's a, it's a serious Pauline Hanson. It's a please explain. Okay. And your systems need upgrading. Your governance needs right. upgrading. Your money laundering is an issue. If they can spot specific cases, and it can, they can link it to something really nefarious, rather than just oh well, we think it's happening, and you know like right. you know, the casinos have yeah. been hit recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know it's 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 a massive problem. Crime is organised. Yeah, these chickens are organised. And whether it then becomes a ripple effect that <laughs> authorities here yeah. go. Oh, it, it, just, it, a, just a bit like New South Wales government looked at Crown yeah. and all of a sudden Victoria went, oh, we better look at it too. And WA goes. And it opens Pandora's box. I mean, if, if you're a shareholder now, um, you know, you're obviously slightly better off now than you were a couple of hours ago. But I would be trying to reduce the risks on a bounce. So using any right. strength, any short covering from the traders just to reduce your risk. You don't have to get out of all of it. Right. But certainly, you know, okay. if you're if you're loaded up with this one, you are running a okay. risk now. Got him. Have you got the five-year chart there for EML and where it's got to on a? Um, there we go. So you back. Like you're still above the lows of March. Yeah. Last year. Yeah. So if you've been been in it a couple of, you know, even twelve you're, months, you're still doing well. And as you yeah. say, it's been it's been a market darling, and it, yeah. it has been on a on a tear. I went, they held a conference where they dragged in, virtually this was, dragged in people from all over the world saying how wonderful EML payments were and all the advantages to it. It was a very high tech, very slick presentation from a lot of their customers. Um, but it just, you know, and the stock's taken off. Okay. But there is clearly. So, what about vulture regulatory. investors? There, there's vultures out there. Um, and, you know, if, if you're a brave man and you've got a strong stomach and, and big kahunas, Maybe this is one for you, right. but okay. you know anything could happen, and it'll happen in a time zone that you can't trade. Right. So it'll happen when the Irish CBI says right. something else, and you just wake up, and they've either gapped up or gapped down, or they stay the same. Okay. So All right. it's it's not without risk. So it's a no uh, from Andrew and a no from Henry, unless you have big Kahuna's, and that's the case. And you know, and who who can read the mind? Yeah. Of an Irish central bank. Oh, well, that's a bit rough. I, I'm, just stop, mate. I'm, just I'm stop. English. We've had our Irish yeah. problems. Okay. <laughs> All right, let's get into the 10 stocks that you want us to have a look at. And Andrew, Tim wants a view on Atlas Arteria, the big uh, uh, toll road um, company that has toll roads all around the place. Uh, basically, Thanks. an alternative to Transurban, is it? There's Transurban and Atlas Arterial in that sector, the two big ones. Yeah, thanks for getting us away from the Irish, Henry. <laughs> Henry's email address is Henry at... Yes. Um, yeah, uh, look, uh, this is the old Macquarie Atlas. And Henry, was this the old Macquarie Infrastructure Group way, way, way back? Was this yep. the old MIG? I think yep. it was, actually. Uh, basically, Macquarie Infrastructure Group split into two, good MIG and bad MIG. Good MIG became Transurban. 
Bad Meg was Atlas Arterial. Right, okay. So they dumped all the, the bad stuff in Atlas. Well, it wasn't called Atlas in those days. When, when was it MEIF as well? That was another one. Uh, it used to be, well, it was was all started whole... off with Hills Motorway yeah, yeah. And, and that side of things, which then right. morphed into Transurban. Okay. So has, has Bad Meg improved at all, Andrew? Yeah, certainly the last couple of years, uh, bad MIG, because, of course, if you got into MIG, uh, you, you did okay there for a little while, and then they sort of came and stuck there for a little while. And one of the things, there's a, a pretty good recent ASX announcement where it sort of takes you through all the, the measures that the company's taken to remediate themselves, including uh, getting rid of that external management, which they were paying about $114 million a year in 2018. They've got that down to $20-odd million by internalising the management. So... Uh, they've got toll roads in France um, and also in the US. Uh, the, the toll roads that they have have actually got, and Germany, they've got some pretty long concessions. In other words, how long they can operate these roads for anywhere between 2035 and also 2060. So it's pretty long from that point of view. The yield doesn't look too bad, about 6.2%. And it's trading below consensus. Consensus is about 6.45 and I think they're about 6.20 odd at the moment. Obviously, COVID is an issue as in because of that European exposure and that US exposure, if people weren't able to travel, then people weren't using toll roads. And uh, they also had a fair bit of uh, issues within the communities they were operating in as well. But the new management team seemed to be turning that around. To me, rising bond yields continue to be a problem with all these sort of infrastructure-style companies. I do like the European story, as we've spoken about previously. But uh, to me, it's a hold. And as we've also said previously, Koshi, I prefer an ETF exposure to this which would be IFRA, which again gives you that European exposure, but gives you a wide range of assets across Europe, not just two or three assets that uh, ALX gives us. Uh, this is an interesting, I mean, you could have bought Bad Mig before it got renamed and rebadged and redone uh, at 50 cents. Right. You know, this has been a great, one of the great corporate turnaround stories in terms of refinancing the debt, uh, driving the business, they bought more bits of the French toll road over the yep. years, uh, and they've expanded into the US, which was always a bit of a dog, kind of too small to worry about. No one really cared about it. Same as they got a portion of uh, a motorway in the UK as well. Again, too small to really, really worry about. It was all about the French motorway system. Yep. Um, they've now starting to expand in the US with the Greenway toll road. They've just got some toll rises approved there for off-peak, but they can't do uh, big rises for peak tolling, which has been a bit of a bummer for them. Yeah. Um, and there's probably no dividends coming out of the Greenway toll road for some time. They're talking 2027, 2031. That's not to say it won't come out of Atlas. It's just that part right. of the, the business won't So they be haven't been able to stitch up no. local governments there like toll operators have here. Exactly. <laughs> uh, or, or the French government. Um, the uh, the French money network, is really, it's a, it's a great asset that they own and they've been creeping okay. up and buying that when they can. But Andrew's right. Higher bond yields is not the is not great for infrastructure stocks, not yeah. great for the valuations. There are, obviously, they're still having problems in Europe with, in terms of the pandemic. So traffic isn't back to normal yet, but it's getting there. Um, and I think a lot of that's baked in. It's, it's pro at these levels, it's, it's a hold. Um, right. I would be, you know, if it, if it came off back down towards, you know, the lows that we've seen recently, you probably want to start accumulating it. It, yeah. it, it's a, it, they've got great assets, um, but it's not without risk. And given you know, Transurban has you know basically Sydney and Melbourne pretty much monopoly yeah. tied up. Uh, you know that that's probably so. Transurban is a better 
it's, it's better or just avoid the sector because no, I think trans transurban is still quality. Right. You know, every time you go boop, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's great, and they don't have to worry about inflation because they get the higher no, of no, stitched up you know four number. or five percent as opposed to whatever inflation is. They might regret yeah. that in a couple of years' time yeah. yeah, <laughs> the yeah. way inflation's going. Um, but yes, I mean transurban still, I think you, it's one you add to when you can. Right. Um, it has the same problems in terms of the debt funding and the valuations because of long term bond yields going up. But um, you know, it's it's a good safe, you know, for for, okay. for people with long term assets and, and trying to not get yeah. so much volatility. Okay. And, it, Andrew, good... do you agree with that with Transurban? Yeah, I like it as a business, um, and as Henry eloquently put, puts it, as if you come and goes boop, um, you sort of go as a Transurban shareholder, there's a couple more dollars coming my way. Um, so if you're into toll roads, and again, you know, we've been quite specific here, quite like Transurban. If you're into Australian infrastructure, I don't mind Australian Pipeline Trust either, but we've spoken about before, APA. Um, but I'm still in that IFRA camp okay. if I'm looking for that more broad thematic exposure. Sure. All right, Andrew, Luke wants a view on the, um, over the last 12 months, the world's most profitable airline, uh, Alliance Aviation Services. Uh, Luke says... Company's growing underlining earnings and is far from the traditional capital killer airline. Indeed, uh, Qantas, their major shareholder, Qantas has about 20% of it, uh, just took up a, f um, a further five aircraft as part of their wet lease agreement. Uh, share price took no notice. Is there a lot of future growth already built into the share price? What do you think? Airlines generally scare me, Koshi, but... I actually don't mind this one. It's a Queensland company, so that, you know, sort of immediately just sort of puts it up a couple of rungs already. But there's actually Australia. four. There's four. Well, it's headquartered in Queensland. Oh, okay. um, there's actually four Queensland companies today. So, uh, Koshi, thanks very much for doing that. I really do appreciate yeah. that. Um, but, yeah, I, I actually don't mind it. I note consensus is about $5.15 relative to where the share price is at the moment. They serve as the energy sector, the tourism sector, yeah. Uh, obviously, government run as well. They've got so these like e a mining services. It's half airline, half mining services company, is that they yeah, do but all the fly so in, fly outs to the mining camps. Correct. correct. And, and they've got take these, AFL teams around at the moment. They've got these E one ninety planes. I didn't know a lot about the E one nineties, and even after reading up about it, I still don't know a huge amount, but. Certainly relating to, they can hold around a hundred odd passengers, yeah, and uh, they're quite comfortable. And certainly relating to efficiency and so forth. But made in Brazil, there you go. Who knew Brazil made airlines? But these are made in Brazil. But um, yeah, I, I don't mind it. That deal with okay. Qantas has been pretty good for them. Um, I think I'd say it's a buy, Koshi. Okay, uh, it's a hold for me. Uh, I think the pressures that we're seeing in mining, in terms of finding people, yeah. um, is going to have a, a bit of an effect on them. And, you know, if, if you can't find people to fly in and fly out, then that's obviously going to have a bit of an effect. Yeah. Fuel prices are going up. Uh, it's, it's a very well run, very, you know, it's a good airline. Mm. There's always the chance that Qantas will just take out the other 80%, yep. which is potentially there. I guess there's some ACCC concerns. It's a hold. I think just the headwinds at the moment in mining services, and this is a mining services company predominantly, and government services, I think um, just it'll go sideways. Right. Which is which is okay, okay. but right. um, and it's very thin as well. It's not the most highly traded stock, so no. bear that in okay. mind. All right, Luke, thank you for that. Um, Henry Ripon wants a view on Eris Resources, uh, a mining exploration company based in Queensland, into gold, copper, gold, and silver, um, 
uh, and uh, production and uh, gold and copper exploration. Ripon says, is it legal for investing companies to publicly circulate that they have invested a huge amount in on this or other stocks and thus inflate the price of it? So <laughs> don't don't get me started on this one. No. Um, I, I, I'm not going to go there on that. I, 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 yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? I mean, if yes. you if you put your money in at five cents, then pump it out to all your 30,000 subscribers on a free newsletter yeah. and say everyone buy it, it's it's no different to Elon Musk buying Bitcoin mm. as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, back to AIS. Interesting little company, this one. Interesting. They bought the Evolution Krakow uh, business, mm. yeah. uh, gold mine. Uh, obviously, Evolution, it, it was now too small, running to the end of its mine life, so these guys are exploring. But what's been really getting this stock hot and bothered is that they announced this, the second hole so we're, you know, we're, we're only two holes into this at Canbelligo. Uh, yep. um, some massive sulfide hits. So the market's got all excited. Bear in mind at the moment, anything that's got copper, gold, bit of silver, you know, yep. we're in a commodities boom, apparently. You wouldn't judge it by the actual bullion price, but we are in a commodities boom. Gold's gone nowhere this year, by the way. Year to date, yep. it's gone absolutely nowhere. Um, but this one's got all hot and bothered about it. It owns this project with Helix. Helix owns 70% and AIS owns 30%. Right. Um, but that's what's got it excited. Uh, they've got some good projects, good players. Um, I wouldn't be buying it up here. They're two holes in. You know, if the third hole comes in, that's spectacular, great. But, you know, you, you're drawing a long bow and a two holes, you know, you're five, ten years. The, the mines take a, t a long time. I know. You drill a hole and you get some good results, then you drill another hole. You're going to be doing another 20. You know, at least. This is, this is sort of the equivalent of MedTechs when they haven't even got to phase one. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, they've got lots of other projects and the Evolution asset they bought is good. So they're obviously using some of the other projects as funding for uh, the more speculative stuff. But Helix is driving the drill bit, not AIS. Okay. You know, it's their, it's their call. They're kind of tagging along for the ride. Um, I wouldn't be buying it up here, but it does have, it's certainly has people that will do that. It's okay. a punt. But, right. um, Andrew? Yeah, look, I, uh, I I agree with all the comments, certainly relating to copper, the whole electrif electrification uh, story and the greening and so forth. And, uh, you know, we're seeing at the moment those elections in uh, Peru, uh, whereby basically a left-leaning government looks like they're going to get in and be taxing all the the mining companies, and in particular copper, tax rates are up to 75%. So that's uh, going to put a bit of pressure on supply. Plus, at a time where over the next five, 10 years, there's great demand for copper. But Henry's right, uh, 31 times earnings, 30% EPS growth. They have been paying down debt, which is great. And they are, from a gold point of view, they're pulling it out of the ground for about $1,600 and selling it for about $2,300 an ounce. So they're doing pretty well. But uh, it is a hold at these levels. It certainly is elevated and you'd want to buy it if you were to buy it on a pullback. Okay. Can't quite say a no to a Queensland company, can he? So it's well, always a hold. It's always, oh, a, it's always a hold, isn't it? Steady up, Tiger. Is EML a Queensland up. company? I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, you're a bad man. You're a very bad man. <laughs> All right. Andrew James wants a view on uh, Ramsey Healthcare, the, uh, the big healthcare provider uh, around the globe, private hospitals and the like? 
interesting business, uh, huge business. I mean, I knew it was big, but Imagine. didn't sort of have a didn't have an idea as to the quantity of staff. So, as an example, it's got seventy seven thousand employees just as a starting point. I mean, I just went is that Europe, like, US, it, around the world. Yeah, so, but even places like Norway, Denmark, I mean, places I didn't realise they had exposure to. So it is, a, it is a monster business and has done incredibly well since it listed back in 1997. But if you look at the share price, the share price has gone absolutely nowhere. Um, in fact, over the last five years, um, it's been flat relative to the market. That's up about 10% per annum over that same period of time. Obviously, they've been impacted by COVID of late, um, in particular, their the UK business. UK gives them about a billion dollars a year in revenue and, you know, there hasn't been a lot of elective surgery taking place. So that certainly impacted them there. Consensus valuation is nearly $10 higher than where it is at the moment. It's about $72, $73 at the moment. But again, on these on these current levels, it's, it's fully priced. So it is a hold. Um, I'm going to go buy with this one. Not that it makes any oh. difference because Andrew's wimped. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, here we've got, they've got a massive exposure to France. Yes. They've got a massive exposure to the UK. Uh, things are turning the, you know, the yeah, things have turned up. the corner big time in the UK. Uh, things will turn the corner in France. Um, they trade in a, in a range, basically, and then the bottom of that range. I, I think this is a buy on the bounce with more elective surgery. They, they made some massive acquisitions. That's always tough, especially they made a big Scandinavian acquisition, which gave them all that Norway, Sweden yeah. exposure. Um, it's, it's, a, you know, it's a behemoth, which is really, as you said, has gone nowhere. Um, but um, I think at these levels, bottom of the range, European markets opening back up, hospitals starting to do more yeah. elective, it's a buy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, them and Fisher and Paykel are just world-class yeah. organisations yep. in that sector. Yep. All operating out of here, which is pretty impressive. Um, now, um, Henry, Peter wants a view on Mesoblast. Um, yes, we all let out a, a, a side. Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter has written to us saying, uh, stem cell focused biotech company has three products in phase three trial stages. Um, we follow it fairly closely here on Oddsbiz, on Pete. Uh, spent a lot on R&D. Looked like the company was running out of money, uh, late 2020. Luckily, strengthened the balance sheet, 110 million US dollar uh, private placement to, was it Surg Center Development? Uh, one of the largest private operators of ambulatory surgical centers in the US. Um, what do you think? Does that mean there's a fair bit of uplift in the share price performance in the short to medium term? Uh, not from me. Uh, this one's promised so much, delivered so little, apart from a huge amount of fees to people to raise capital for them, because it's just raised money left, right and centre. It yeah. seems that every six months they're dipping into shareholders' pockets for another 100 million bucks, yep. or some investor group that comes on, or some vulture fund in the US. Would it um, be fair, fair to say it's lost the confidence of the market, and that's think, why <laughs> it's flat, flattened out this year, because those spikes... All they yeah. had almost a story every week, didn't they? They, they did, out. and trial results. With I mean, this is the big thing. If you're going to do big trials, phase three trials, expensive trials, you've got to reach the end point that you need to get to to, yeah. to make it worthwhile. And they have failed to do that. They've they've had some secondary uh, success in terms of treating COVID as well with uh, yes. stem cell. Yeah. Um, but really and truly, it's just a money pit. This one, I, I've liked it before. I liked it at a dollar twenty. It went to three bucks. I got out. I was happy to get out. 
it went higher. Um, but it's just a money pit. It just sucks yep. in shareholders' funds. Yep. Not um, for me. Uh, Peter, I th- think it's fair to say lots of people have been invested in it and have stories oh. about it. <laughs> and that, that's what one of the problems. Andrew, would you agree? Oh, 100% Koshi. It's, um, I mean, the underlying thematic is interesting, but I, I was looking at their cash flow statement. So as you're saying, they've got about 150, 160 million on the books. They're burning through about 20, well, last quarter anyway, they burned through about 26 million of that. So to Henry's point, it's highly likely they'll be back cap in hand in the next year, year and a half. You know, please, sir, can I have some more money? Yeah. Absolute traders delight. You know, if it got back to that dollar twenty, you'd be all over it like calamine lotion. But uh, yeah, I've got absolutely no interest in this one at all. And uh, on the uh, Marcus Today forums today, I described it as danger. Will Robinson danger? So <laughs> you did, you did indeed. Um, yeah, uh, lots of people have been burnt in it, and when you get burnt in a stock, um, people have long memories. It's, it's, it's just been around back. for so long, promising so much with the whole yeah. stem cell stuff, and maybe it will make that breakthrough. But yeah. at the moment, it just sucks in yeah. money, and it's just you got to market, and you got to tell people the story, and it's all about the story. But there, there's a time where um, if if you promise a great story, story's actually got to deliver. Jerry Maguire and said it. Show me the money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Uh, there you go, Pete. Now you're close to it, but uh, hopefully that helps. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own fantasy portfolio since the 1st of July, thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. Uh, all the stocks that get two thumbs up here on the show uh, go into the calls portfolio. If they come up again, even if it's uh, in front of a different panel, don't get unanimous approval. It then goes out. How's it performing? Let's take a look. Uh, basically flat for the week, down two and three quarter percent for the month, up 28% since the 1st of July. Some of the stocks recently added by our expert panelists, uh, Nanosonics, NetWealth, Janice Henderson Group, Smart Group, TPC Consolidated, some that have come out, Atomos, Wham Microcap and NextDC. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Um, and let's summarise the uh, first five stocks of the day, um, including our stock of the day, EML, um, a no from both. Um, if you're, if you see, Henry suggested, if you see bumps up from these lows because it's been slaughtered in the last day, might be a good time to, to lighten out of it as well. Atlas Arteria, uh, a hold from both Henry and Andrew. Um, Andrew likes the ETF, uh, Infra, IFRA. Uh, Alliance Aviation, a yes from Andrew, a hold from, uh, from Henry. Eris uh, Resources, hold from Andrew, a no from Henry. Ramsey Health, uh, hold from Andrew, and a yes from Henry. And Mesoblast, a no. Um, coming up this afternoon, uh, the team's joined by the COO of Airtasker, Yannick Bernstein, um, it comes as the uh, country looks to restart recruitment in roles, despite a lack of clarity of when migration might resume here in Australia. That's from uh, just after the call here at 1pm Eastern. All right, let's get into our second five stocks. And Andrew Simon wants a view on Incitec Pivot, um, the big chemical company that is into fertiliser and, and blowing things up. <laughs> Explosive. 
That's a technical finance term for those playing at home. Explosives is another term that people might like to use. Uh, yeah, look, um, the underlying thematic thematics, because as you said, we're talking about fertilisers and explosives are actually pretty sound. If you think about all the mining activity that we just spoke about that's taking place at the moment, gold, copper, etc., then uh, explosives are certainly a core component of that. And equally so, if you look at what's going on with food at the moment, uh, there's a huge demand there. Food prices are just out of control. And so in the context of the fertiliser story as well. However, when we're talking about Intertech Pivot, I think where the market is a wee bit concerned is they're having some issues. They had that uh, profit downgrade back in April when uh, that US plant, whose name is escaping me, the ammonia like plant basic you very much my learned friend uh you know i came out with some issues there uh and i think the market confidence they also had a profit or they missed um, earnings or profit expectations back in may as well so i think from a market point of view i think the market is skeptical relating to management's ability to deliver but the underlying thematic itself or thematics that they're exposed to is pretty sound Consensus is 293 versus the current share price, and the PE is pretty undemanding at 16 times relative to forecast earnings growth, about 20-odd percent. Koshi, as you know, I like to see insiders buying, and both the chair and the CEO have been buying over the last 12 months, so it's a buy, but with a rider, that's, uh, the market is dubious, and rightly so. Okay. Uh, not a buy for me. Uh, it's, it's a whole probably at these levels. The... Um, the <laughs> The thematic, as Andrew says, is good. I mean, fertilizer and dyna dynamite. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the Wagaman uh, production that they've got is, is just been very troublesome and they've really struggled to get that right. I think they've had three kind of issues with that. Um, the market's not ascribing a lot of value to that, yeah. but the market is now needs to fall in love with this stock again. And I think it's going to take a little longer. Okay. So it's probably a hold. Market needs to, to to trust it again, trust management because you know we don't like to see ten percent, twenty percent re ratings of the stock because yeah. they've missed something, they've downgraded, and you know, and there's always once there's one downgrade, you tend to see more along the track. So okay. uh, it's it's a hold for me only be on the price. It's had such a whack that maybe um, okay. maybe it's, there's a bounce. To uh, Orica is the other one. In Orica the is the other one, which which came up the other day actually yeah. on uh, Monday and. Yeah. Um, both Rob Corlett from Macro and Owen Raskovich from um, Rask Report uh, slammed Orica. So Did it's they? One, of, one of the worst run of these days. Yeah, said sell. Right, well, there you go. Hasn't done very well. No, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got two, the two leaders in the sector have come up this week. Um, now, Troy uh, Henry wants to be on PPK Group. Troy says, uh, has run well, interesting technology, interested in the analyst views. Uh, Troy, run well is a bit of an understatement in the last week or two um, after the company announced an update uh, regarding its uh, lithium sulfur battery, um, uh, which they um, sort of made some progress on in partnership with Deakin University. Yes. In on this. So, um, this is what's been driving the stock. Um, yes. BNNT. Is the uh, is the kind of the thing that's been driving this boron nitride nanotubes, oh. and this is the uh, the project they've got with Deakin University, whereby uh, they produce this BNNT, which they then add to stuff. Oh. It's really hard to produce. 
it's you know the amount they can produce is tiny at the moment but right. it's building and that's why the market's getting all excited and then they can use this in this lithium sulfur batteries lots of other uses as well they've got a ballistics business whereby they have um vests oh. um armor you know bulletproof yeah. vests yeah. this stuff when you add it to that makes them lighter and stronger bulletproof glass you wouldn't believe the market for bulletproof glass it's enormous and of course, the problem with bulletproof glass is it's very heavy. Yeah. You add a bit of this yeah, yeah. to your glass and suddenly it's bulletproof and it's substantially lighter. Wow. So but, it's just not electric vehicle, lithium no, battery, it's, it's driving. That's obviously just, part of it. Yeah, but, but also this is yeah, great that, technology that, this, with wider This use. stuff, this BNNT wow. stuff is, is like the super, okay. super additive that you can yeah. put in. And they've got some, some deals with the 3D printer people, uh, Amarero. Uh, they've also, you know, this is this is what oh, it's actually. It used to be a coal mining contracting supplies business. They've right. still got that bit, which they're looking to demerge because uh, it doesn't really. <laughs> doesn't really. <laughs> no, fit. Doesn't not, really fit not in. That sexy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not that sexy. Doesn't really fit in, but it kind of produces cash, and right. they can use that cash to fund the sexy bit. It's run really hard. It's super sexy, in theory. Um, it's certainly one you should have on your radar. Whether it continues to run hard, I, I would be dubious about. I think you know, there's some potential for it to come slamming back quite quickly. Um, and it's very thin as well. But it does look, it, you know, it, there's some research out there and I've seen it and it goes into massive detail and it's multi-bagger stuff. We're talking, you know, it's a billion dollar company and it could be a $10 billion company. But this stuff is so super cool. But it's, it's so hard to produce. No right. one's really done it until these guys have come along, Deakin University. Hats off to them. If they can scale it up, this, this could be a winner. But it's run really hard for my liking. I'd be looking for a, a, a slam and then... And, and okay, then. for a pullback. Yeah. Buying a pullback. Yep. All right, Andrew? Yeah, look, it's nosebleed stuff in the context of the valuation off nearly 6% today. I can just see in a market that's down two. So that should tell you sort of the, the risk reward that we're talking about here. The other thing that's probably got the market a little bit excited is they're actually looking at spinning off, what is it called, Q, uh, sorry, Lie S Energy. Um, they just recently did a, a placement, a pre-IPO placement, and so sort of by year end that might sort of uh, realise some value for them, but agree with everything that Henry's saying. And on a decent pullback, then you probably want to be getting some of this, but certainly not at these levels. Okay, so on a big pullback as well. Yeah, yeah, so say it was a, just to pick a number of 20, 25% pullback, it's a buy, but not at right. these levels. Okay, all right. Um, Andrew Gabb wants a view on Pentanet. Um, Gabb says, what are your thoughts on buy, hold or sell? Also thoughts as a long-term investment. I bought shares a few months back. It's performing well for me. I'm not sure whether to buy more shells. It's a Perth-based uh, telco carrier and um, internet provider, ISP. Uh, it's had a pretty good track record, a bit of a disruptor in the market. Yeah, Koshi, and uh, only listed in January and uh, had a pretty successful uh, listing. As you said, they've got the ISP part. Uh, they've also just picked up some spectrum for millimetre wave 5G. So there's sort of two flavours of 5G. Millimetre 5G is sort of the sexier end of town and gives you uh, faster speed. So they've just picked up some spectrum to be operating in, in WA in Perth there. They're also involved in esports. They're rolling out some servers there as well. So they're ticking all the uh, 
the, the, the buzzword boxes, but more importantly, they're delivering. They're not just saying this stuff, they're actually delivering. Arguably, someone might just come along and sort of buy them up because of that sort of narrow focus or predominantly narrow focus they have at the moment relating to WA, but they're increasing subscriber numbers, their margins are increasing. Uh, speculative buy, Koshi. Speculative okay. buy. All right, Andrew? Am I going to disagree with everything you say today, Andrew? <laughs> I, think, I think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> it is what's going to happen. Um, not, not for me at the moment. It was a very successful IPO uh, and it's done pretty well since, but I think the, the froth might just start to, to fall away a little bit. It's, it's probably a hold. And if you're looking at a long-term thing, then uh, maybe, but uh, for me at the moment, just like to see it dribble back maybe towards 70 cents. 70 cents, I'd be far happier buying this one, I've got to say. But um, it's, it's, it's a good company doing all the right things. Thorny Technologies in there as well as a shareholder. Stephen Cornish, the guy that runs the company, still got 17% directly and some in his family trust as well. So um, he's certainly got a lot of skin in the game, which is always good. But I think for me, I'd just like to see a little bit of cooling, uh, okay. a little bit more uh, cooling and track record as a listed company. It's, right. it's always hard to go from unlisted to listed. Oh, yeah. And we've seen that with Newix. They Newix. came out yesterday and said, you know, we, we, did, we underestimated how hard apologize, it was to become, you know, apologise, yeah. mea culpa. And, and I think, you know, sometimes we get carried away, it takes a while to bed down. I'd be happy to, you know, wait six months, see how it beds yep. down. Okay. All right, uh, let's finish with uh, a couple of retailers on the call today. First one, uh, Henry City Chic Collective, the um, women's fashion retailer. Uh, specialising plus size, not only here in Australia, but overseas as well. It's expanded too. Yeah, it? big push in America. Yes. Um, I think, you know, retailing is a tough game, but mm. if you get it right, you can do very well. These guys have clearly got it right. They've got a niche. It, it's a hold at these levels for me, uh, but it has got a really good niche. I'd like to see how the American expansion pans out, if you kind of pardon the pun, yeah. uh, a little bit. And, but it's, it, it's, you know, they're a very experienced good niche retailer. It's clearly a growing market and they're expanding in the US, but I'd like to see a little bit more evidence yet before uh, that happens. But it, it's, it's, a, it's a quality company look in retail. At, look at that share price yeah, it's, over it's, five years. It's too. It shows it's been they good. know their business. They, they, are, these, they know their customers. They know their customers. They know their business. We, we may think it's somewhat daggy, but these yeah. guys know how to do it. You know, you look at Adairs, that's been yeah. another success story. Yes. And, you know, towels and Manchester and all that yep. sort of stuff. Now, it doesn't seem very sexy, but if you get it right, yep. you can get it very right. All down to the business model. Andrew, yep. what do you think of City Shake? So, Koshi, you and I spoke about this one back in September. And at $2.80, we said it was a buy. And uh, continuing with the theme of trying to be completely opposite to what Henry's saying, it remains a buy. Um, for all the reasons that we just spoke about, uh, albeit execution risk is now higher because that valuation is now higher. When we were last talking about it, it was around 20, I think it was 28 times earnings. It's, we're now up to 44 times earnings. So, you know, execution risk is suddenly getting a lot harder. Forecast EPS growth, though, for this year is 111%. So, uh, because they've recently gone and bought that business in the UK, Evans from memory. Yep. So, and that in itself is an issue because the more moving parts you've got, then there's more sort of plates spinning in the air, if I can put it that way. Yeah. Uh, it's trading below consensus. The um, ROE is pretty strong. Revenue growth is strong. Probably the only nasty, if I could think of it, is that their 
logistics and shipping costs are going up. Again, that's sort of that inflation story that we've been talking about before. But uh, I like it and uh, remains a okay. buy. But so you say more spinning plates, it's becoming more complex. It started the growth in the US and the UK. Uh, It's brought a lot of companies undone, those sorts of expansions. And three years later, they flogged them off. And um, why are you so confident this management can get it right? Because they've got it right so far. And if you look at like the chair, And also the CEO have also got experience in this regard relating to sort of the execution side. So the chair's example is ex LaVisa, which I know Henry had some success with um, previously. So, uh, you know, you've got the management team that have got success. You've got the corporate governance team that have got success. But I'm also being really clear saying that back in September, I wouldn't call it no-brainer, but it was certainly an easier buy, whereas today it is a harder buy, but it's still a buy. Okay. All right. And um, Andrew, our final stock, um, again, uh, a retailer from Gabriel Universal Store Holdings. Um, uh, Gabby says, being a 20-year-old, I see the company has a great moat with teens and young adults. They have around 65 stores. They're all profitable. The company is planning on having 100 stores around Australia. They're um, from uh, as Gabby indicated, a youth-focused retailer, fashion, shoes, um, accessories. Um, what do you think of, of Universal? Only recently listed. Again, was it back in November? And again, first, first of all, Gabby, 20 years old and taking an interest. Good on you. That's, yeah. uh, that's great. See, when, like to when, see. when people um, ask me, oh, I want to buy stocks for my, uh, for my kids, um, I always say uh, I'm not going to give you individual stocks, go and talk to a broker, but um, get them into companies that they relate to, you know, like the Globes or the Universal Stores or Collins Food with KFC. And at least it sparks their interest. They can relate to a car they? So I know we're getting off tangent, but I see we've got a couple of minutes. Like it's fundamental analysis 101. What do you do? You actually walk into the shop and see what's it like? Are there other people about? Are they making sales? What's management like? Are the staff well trained? You know, it's not rocket science. Um, One of the reasons I like going to Sydney when I can escape the bubble is the fact that you can just walk down that Pitt Street Mall and you're just watching all the retailers and our people coming out with bags and so forth. Like, it's just really simple stuff, but it's quite telling. And and, and professionals do that. You know, people go, oh, professionals don't do that. Well, they do. Look at uh, (laughs) the last Sydney COVID case. The bloke going to all the barbecues galore stores and everyone thought, oh, he's looking for a barbecue. No, he's looking to buy the business. <laughs> he's got to check them all out. He's a, yeah. a whiz investment analyst. I think he bought a barbecue as well because he did yeah. buy the meat and the gas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's been outed. Anyway, back to Universal Store Holdings. Um, the demographic that they're targeting, that sort of 18 to 35, have got a high disposable income, they don't have a lot of expenses. Uh, so that in itself, you know, their niche market, uh, the mix of online and also the stores, as Gabby said, we're looking at increasing stores. They've been opening about eight to 10 stores a year whilst they've been going. That big shift into private brands is a big one for them because there's much bigger margin private brands. When they started the business, it was about 90% third-party brands, now 10%. That number is now 75, 25, uh, 25% private brands. So that's a big positive for them. 
the PE is 12 times, again, undemanding. And probably the other thing I like is the fact is the chair is the ex-CEO, Bertels, ex-CEO of Super Retail. So, again, someone who's got that strong basis. So I'm, I'm happy to support it. It's a buy-in. Okay. Henry? Tricky one, this. Um, Andrew's right. Mark One Eyeball is the best research tool you have. Yeah. Counting shopping bags as opposed to shoppers, all that sort of thing is good. I don't think the professionals actually do that. I think they send the interns out to do that. But somebody does it. Somebody yeah. does it, which is an important thing. And, and we should all be doing it in our lives. So as a 20-year-old, you should be looking around at the things that you're using and playing with. You know, us old fuddy-duddies, we don't understand this stuff. You know, yeah. I, I got Airtask presented to me years ago when they were looking to raise a small amount of money to kick things off. And I thought, no, this is never going to work. You know, it, it just didn't click with me. Yep. I felt like the bloke who didn't sign the Beatles now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you know I'm, I'm Dick Rowe. So um, this one is is good. It obviously appeals to the, it's got a great marketplace, great niche, good management. Everything is fantastic. Ticks loads of boxes, $570 million market cap. It just doesn't trade. Right. Okay. It's just thin as. Illiquid. Illiquid. So, you know, it's that's fine if you're a retail investor buying one or $2,000 worth. Yep. But if, if you're looking to get set in some, you know, some serious size, you're going to push this thing up. And when right. you sell it, you're going to push it down. So bear that in mind. It, it certainly ticks a lot of boxes, plays into the whole youth market, yep. buy now, pay later, everything like that. But it's just really hard to get set in. Right. So bear that in mind. If it, wasn't, if it was a bit more liquid, it would definitely be a buy. Right. Specialist retails, really, yeah. it's, a, it's a good sector. So look it, look it, how well Smiggle's done and Premier Investments. Yeah, yeah. So Globe, Globe, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's not probably got the, the, the breadth of right. brands. Uh, if you were looking, compare the two, I'd probably go with Universal mm. only because it's got that, that breadth of yeah. brands. Yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, we know that young people are fickle. Yep. You know, what's cool today is not cool tomorrow. Yep. My clothing that I bought when I was 20, it's definitely not cool. <laughs> Might be coming back into cool. <laughs> well, that, that's, the, that's the joy. <laughs> Unfortunately, my waistline isn't the <clears throat> same as it was when I was 20. No. This, one, this one is, is, is a tentative buy. It's just be careful of the liquidity because it, you know, it can trade okay. 20,000 shares a day and that's a good day. All right. So if, if, if Gabby's... Putting in a thousand, two thousand dollars worth. Don't you know? Don't worry about it. Right. But use your eyes. I mean, yep. You know, if you want to have a weekly checkup and while you're shopping online or while you're actually into the stores, yep. Then uh, that's a good way of doing it. If right. something's changed, if things are on sale, if they're trying to get rid of a lot of merchandise okay. quickly. All right. So I tended to buy if you're uh, uh, putting a small amount of money, a thousand or two thousand dollars. That's just recap the five to five stocks. Incidec pivot a. Uh, a buy from Andrew, a hold from Henry, uh, PPK, uh, both love the technology, um, has had a big run up. If it comes back 25% or 30% on a pullback, both would be interested, but not at these high levels. Uh, Pentanet, a speculative buy from Andrew, a no from, um, from or, or a hold from Henry. We got down to around the 70, uh, 70 cent mark. He'd be very interested. Uh, City Sheiky, yes, from um, Andrew, a hold from Henry, and Universal Stores, uh, a yes from Andrew, and a tentative yes for small amounts, understanding that it can be a liquid from it's, Henry. They're just not trading. These sort of stocks are not trading yep. stocks. You've got to lock them away for a little yep. while. Yep. 
Uh, and that could suit lots of private investors. You're 20 years old, that's the, yeah. they mean, what you want to do. Yep, exactly. Uh, Andrew Wheeler from DP Wealth Advisor in Toowoomba. Good to see you. Uh, Empire, Empire Theatre is pumping. Going off like the usual frog in a socket is. Um, certainly John Butler. Uh, what else? We've got Kitty Flanagan, who doesn't love Kitty Flanagan. And uh, for the Queenslanders out there, Jenny uh, Woodward is also coming. So uh, plenty to keep you entertained. Thank you, Koshi, for oh. your usual support of yeah, the theatre. Yeah, yeah, no, we like to support regional Australia, and it's a great theatre and a passion of Andrews. And uh, John Butler Trio, are you a fan, Henry? I don't mind John Butler. I'm yeah. not such a big fan of Kitty Flanagan. All right, okay. I, when he says who doesn't, I'm going to have to disagree today. Have you still got your band? Uh, yeah, I've got three, in theory. Three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Andrew Whelan. There's a there's an opportunity. Yes. Book why the band. And why we'll... don't you get Henry's band? Sounds great. Henry, do you need someone to play the recorder? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excellent. <laughs> you, can, you can play the maracas. So are you playing this weekend? No, Anywhere? no, we haven't played for a while. We've, we've got a gig coming up, I think, in June. Oh. So, well, but only, only, a small local, only a small local venue. Yeah, it's a little restaurant gig and we're going to be way too loud and it's going to be a disaster. But oh. there you go. Way too loud. We're too uh, loud. What, what sort of this, stuff? Elvis music? Costello, 80s, new wave, punky stuff. Great. It's going to go off. I mean, let us know. <laughs> All right, keep us up to date. Henry Jennings from Marcus today. Always great to catch up. Thanks, David. Um, that's it for our show today. If you've got any stocks you want to put to the panel, send an email to call at osbiz.com today. You'll tweet us using the at Osbiz TV handle. Reminder, all the stocks in the calls portfolio, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Uh, if you want a full wrap-up of the day in the markets, business, finance, subscribe to the newsletter. You get Scuddy's View, linked to the Close of Business podcast and links to the most popular interviews on the platform during the day. Subscribe at osbiz.co forward slash the COB. Coming up on the Startup Daily Show at 2pm, uh, Mark Livings from uh, Liar um, is joining the team as his non-alcoholic spirits brand hits $179 million valuation. I met Mark and his, um, his co-founder two years ago when it was just a twinkle in their eye, $179 million valuation in just two years. Um, and big export market to the Middle East for their non-alcoholic spirits. It's uh, a great business. Well, the team will be catching up with Mark um, at 2 p.m. Eastern. All right. A lot happening this afternoon on Oldsbiz. Don't go away. Back after break. Mm-hmm.